In the lands of Middle-earth, legend tells of the Dark Lord Sauron and the ring that would give him the power to enslave the world. Lost for centuries, it has been sought by many and has now found its way into the hands of the most unlikely person imaginable. Sauron needs only this ring to cover all the lands in darkness. What must I do? The ring must be destroyed. The ring must be cast back into the fires of Mount Doom. There is evil there that does not sleep. Sauron's forces are already moving. They will find the ring and kill the one who carries it. No! Come Frodo! do this alone. You have my sword. And you have my bow. And my axe. This task was appointed to you. And if you do not find a way, no one will. Welcome to Movies Charles Hasn't Seen, episode 31. My name is Crossman. I'm Wilson. And I'm Charles. And this week we watched the 2001 movie, The Lord of the Rings, colon, The Fellowship of the Ring. <laughs> so Charles, tell us about Fellowship. Oh God, there's so much. Uh, so, in the world of Middle-earth, uh, an evil lord created um, one all-powerful magical ring that like, grants him his power and, uh, I guess, gives him life or something like that. One um, ring to rule them all. Yeah. Okay. The ring ends up in the possession of a hobbit in the Shire. The movie begins with Gandalf finding out that the ring is in the Shire, Hobbitville as Crossman calls it while Bilbo is planning to leave the Shire for good. And this triggers a series of events where Sauron finds out that the ring is there, uh, and Gandalf realizes that they have to get the ring out of there. And so he takes Bilbo's son, Frodo, uh, and sends him on this quest to get the ring away. Nephew. Nephew, nephew was it? Okay, well. Yeah. The, the nerds not, are. Not <laughs> I'm protecting you from I don't the know the specific details here. I'm not a Lord of the Rings guy. No, you're, you're doing good. Keep going. Um, he, so they go on a quest to get the ring away, and they hope to, I guess, hide it in the elf city, Rivendell. But they decide that it's not safe, and the elves can't. The elves can't defend it from all the forces of evil that are mounting. So they decide they have to destroy the ring, and you can only destroy it by bringing it to the fires of Mordor, where it was, where it was created. And so they depart and head out for Mordor. But they face a lot of orc resistance on the way, and decide to have Frodo go on his own instead of with this band of travelers that they called the Fellowship. And then the movie ends with Frodo going off to destroy the ring. Yep. That's the movie. Yeah. For, for the most part. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> lots, lots of battles and danger and all that. Adventures. Adventure. So, Wilson, this was an, an emergency pick for you? Yeah, in a sense. Like, it wasn't too big of an emergency because we found out like two or three weeks ago, but this was still yeah. one that we needed to check off the list. Uh, Lord of the Rings is probably one of the most important stories of the last hundred years. Probably really like it, it spawned an entire genre. You see its influence across pop culture for decades afterwards, and to today, there'd be no Game of Thrones, 
you know, Dungeons and Dragons. Mm -hmm. No, numerous video games wouldn't exist. Several Led Zeppelin songs wouldn't have been written. <laughs> the, its <laughs> influence is everywhere. Uh, so I think it's important to at least have some knowledge of this story. Um, and on sci-fi too, I think. It, oh yeah, 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 of course. Like just as an adventure story, and like all, all these tropes, like elves living in the forest, dwarves living in the mountains, dragons that you know hoard treasure, like up the. The concept of orcs, like all of this stuff, is Just the entire high fantasy archetype. In, Tolkien invented it, right? Yeah. Like it um, almost so actually none of, of this existed before Tolkien wrote it. Not really, and not in this form. Like, and most of it, most of the stuff he invented, like stuck for the the archetype, right? Like for the genre. He he came up with all these ideas, and they all pretty much. It's become to, what's, what feels right for us. Right. right. Like if, if you switch the races to doing other things, you're just like, they're doing it wrong. They're, right. It's if not he, how it's yes. supposed to be. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's stealing a little bit from, like, Nordic mythology or, like, right. Norse mythology, which is also why there are metal songs written about it. But, <laughs> yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's true. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's not completely original. And his concept, like, he wrote these stories in the first place because he wanted to invent an, an English version, like a British version of old Roman and Greek myth. Like, they didn't have an equivalent of that uh, mm -hmm. in England, it, in Tolkien's view. Uh, so that that was his goal in creating this world, because it goes far, far beyond Lord of the Rings. Didn't they have, like, Arthurian myth? Yeah, but that wasn't good enough for him, I guess. I don't know. Okay. And, like, Arthurian myth was still relatively concerned with the... England, the actual England, I okay. guess. I mean, I'm not. I'm not exactly sure what the details of his motivations were, but he created a, a very complex world here. Like this, you can yeah. go back to like the beginning of time in Middle Earth, and he will have conceived of something that happened yeah. there. Um, but the, yeah, the influence here is undeniable. Um, the other reason I picked this one is that it's my go-to example of the movie being better than the book. I think that Lord of the Rings is pretty much unreadable. And <laughs> this movie's way better. Speaking of better. making nerds mad. <laughs> yes. It's not, not a popular opinion among nerds. No, it's not. Yeah. I think that it reads like a really dry history textbook. I think that it, it, Tolkien was way better at ideas than he was at actually writing. Uh, and that you can't really get through it. Like, it's, it's so dry. And it's so poorly paced. And just <laughs> fucking nothing happens forever. For the type of person that likes encyclopedic... Things. I mean, it's an encyclopedia. It is that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. he literally wrote encyclopedias about this. Like, this is Lord of the Rings is the exciting story part. Like, there are there are other books that he wrote that are literally just encyclopedias of, of Middle Earth. Yep. Yeah. And I don't know who the hell reads that shit, but someone does because they keep printing them. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that that's the other reason I picked this. I think it's a good example of like not falling back in the trope that the book is always better than the movie. That is horseshit. There are tons of examples. This is the easiest one. Um, and so I think it is relevant in that sense. Uh, also, it's just a great movie. Like Fellowship is, a, I think it's the best of the three, and mm. it's just a joy to watch it every time. Like I think it it flies by. I think these characters are compelling. I think that it creates some interesting space within these tropes that don't really exist in the books. Uh, yeah, it's just really really good. Um, so yeah, you watched Two Towers right after this, right? Yeah, I don't. So, I, I find it hard to watch this one without watching Two Towers. Okay. Because um, I, I think they are, they complement each other really well, obviously. The, it's a sequel. Yeah, it's a sequel. But <laughs> but they're pretty different movies. Yeah, I've seen this um, one far more times than I've seen Two Towers. Well, do you not yeah. include Return of the King at the end? Like, 
it sounds like you stopped with two towers and you seemed okay with that. Or, yeah. Because, like, I, I mean, the resolution I, of the story <laughs> still is in Return of the King. Return of the King is kind of like a rehash of the two towers in a number of ways. Um, okay. Like, yeah. it, like, it definitely completes the story and I may watch it sometime like in the near five or six future. Um, but, like, the general, like, plot points of Return of the King for me feel very much like the two towers. Yeah. Okay. Because, so, have you seen... you? I forget. Have you seen the two? No, you've only I've seen... only I had only seen Return of the King before this. Right. That must have been utter nonsense. Yeah, a lot of it didn't make sense. <laughs> I mean, watching this, still a lot of it didn't make sense. What didn't make sense? Yeah, wait, where it just you... felt like there was a lot of universe that was outside of this movie that was not really explained, and they just talk about it like you're supposed to know what it is. And it felt like I wasn't really truly aware of what was going on. They talked about like restoring the King of Gondor, and I'm like, I don't know what the fuck Gondor is. <laughs> or they're like, oh, you know, Isengard has fallen, and we we can't beat Isengard or whatever. And I wasn't sure what type of entity Isengard actually so is. So a big tower, or sorrow, you know, things lives. like that. I wasn't yeah. completely sure. Like I wasn't sure if Isengard was that tower, or if it's an entire region, or if it's a city. I think or something it's like that. Cool. I could be Maybe wrong. Maybe it's not though. important, but yeah, I think different. I think That's the area around Isengard, it's like the tower is like Isengard, a, as is the area around it. Yeah, and the area yeah. around it is a forest, and then they like well, dig that up. Well, apparently the tower has its own yeah. name. It's Orthanc or something like that. That's true, actually. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, yeah this shit is confusing. Yeah, um, a lot so of it. I think yeah. the the two towers actually clarifies a lot of the confusion that you're having, which is yeah. also part of the reason why I watched it because okay. I was like. Some of this stuff is bonkers and not explained. It's for yeah. the people who like read the book, obviously. I, mean, uh, I have read Fellowship of the Ring. It yeah. was once in a while ago, and I didn't like it. <laughs> yeah. 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 So uh, I think I tried to read it as like a twelve-year-old and had like a very hard time getting. Through yep. It. Don't attempt it again. It doesn't get better. Yeah. I'm pretty <laughs> sure I read The Hobbit though and got through That's, that. Uh, the Hobbit's fine. good. The Hobbit. Yeah. It's it's an actual story. Yeah. It's <laughs> the Lord of the Rings isn't a story. Yeah. It's just some stuff that happens. Um. Also an example of the movie not being better than the book. <laughs> yes, yeah. Movies. There's movies, yeah. oh god. Yeah, there's the other side of that coin. Yeah, god. that's an, an easy one. Yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, the movies did the Twilight thing where it was like, well, we could make more money if that we released really three movies instead of one. Didn't Harry Potter do that first? Harry Potter also did that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it does not make for better movies, turns out. Oh, like spreading content yeah. that's yep. way but, too thin. Yep. Does yeah. not, does not yeah. fly. Yeah. Do you like Two Towers more in this movie? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. Really? Yeah. You think Two Towers is the better movie? I uh, I think that the second half of Two Towers is awesome. With the, the Helm's Deep part? The Helm's yeah, Deep part is, is pretty awesome. Is great. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, and I think holds up better than a lot of the effects that are in Fellowship. There's some bad CG here. Yeah, yeah, that was very noticeable. And I remember yeah. seeing watching these movies in theaters and being like, this is incredible. <laughs> and then like watching it now, they get a lot of like, um, was it soap opera lighting? Which yep. is like That's where it. HD TVs have like a greater depth <clears throat> of color than mm -hmm. the movie was intended to have. And it makes it look fake and yep. lighted similar to a soap opera. Yep. Um, and that was really noticeable, particularly in the... Um, the Minds of Moria section. Yeah, the, that cave fold does not look great anymore. No, and I remember originally it was like, this is incredible. Yeah. Or when Legolas like, got on top of the cave troll and is a CG Legolas. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. that was real bad. When the characters switched yeah. to CG, it's really bad. A lot of running yeah. CG characters. Yeah. Well, the sad thing is they yeah. did CG Legolas in The Hobbit as well, and it wasn't any better. 
know, yeah. 15 years later. Yeah, like th- th- part of that was that, that that movie was shot at a higher frame rate, so it's easier oh. to spot some of that shit. Um, but yeah, there were a lot of bad decisions in The Hobbit. Yeah. So, <laughs> I'll have to say, I actually kind of hated how this movie looked, Fellowship of the Ring. I just hated the look of it. There's something about the cinematography style that really didn't, that I just really didn't like. Like, there's a lot of those, like, very quick camera movements and zooms um, that I just thought looked really cheap and cheesy. Like in the action scenes? Action scenes, but like, there's just scenes where they're like zooming in on a location or zooming into someone's face where it has like a weird, like, it's weirdly fast. Um, and it just looks yeah. really cheap to me. I So I, I agree. And um, the I think some of the shots that were particularly annoying were CG only shots mm-hmm. where the camera was is like a sort of physical impossibility like you wouldn't be able to get this uh-huh. camera shot in reality yeah um, I think Minds of Moria is like a good example of this where you have this like really cavernous space and you can shoot they shoot like really high and then like zoom in like really low and it's yeah. like this is not physically possible for a camera to do this and it's really distracting when when that happens yeah well, and that's uh, that's kind of just Peter Jackson saying like look at what my tech can do <laughs> and that's yeah I think it's kind of like suffering from like a Phantom Menace kind of effect where it's It's only two years later. Well, we can do like everything with CGI and it's like, yeah, but you don't have to do everything with CGI. And part of that is they are saving a lot of money, like shifting Mm -hmm. over to computer graphics because they shot all three movies at once. The budget was absurd. It was like $200 million. And like if you did everything practically, it would be like $500 million. Yeah. Which they still would have made their money back because these films have been very, very successful. Yeah. Um, but they sure as hell didn't know that at the time. They didn't know that at the time <laughs> yeah. when you're betting your money on three movies. Like, <laughs> yeah. you yeah. got to figure out ways to, to shoot it costs. so it makes sense. Jackson also comes out of, like, B-movie filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Like, if you look at his film history, it's a lot of duds. And they're weird. And it's weird that he got the this huh. kind of budget for this kind of movie. And that he even got right. appointed as a director for this at all is completely insane like it should not have happened yeah um yeah and so yeah yeah i I think a lot of it like doesn't hold up well yeah that being said i think this i i like i really enjoy this story i think it's well when it's acted it's well acted (laughs) yeah Uh, yeah I, I, i think it's a testament to the cast actually that this film comes together so well some of the attention to detail, I think, also holds it together. That, like, they do a really good job of, like, building up this world in, in interesting ways and in believable ways. Yes. When it's not CG, it's good. Yeah, <laughs> like, which, which is something that, like, yeah. I think the orcs and the goblins are, like, very yeah, there's, scary. Right, and that, yeah. I mean, that's just, like, yeah. you see how bad the CG is in contrast to how good the practical effects are. Because yeah. the, the goblins and the orcs still yeah. look really great, right? Like, like that stuff. They yeah. made, like, an army worth of, yeah. of armor and weapons yeah. for this film, which is incredible. That's yeah. insane that they did that. Yeah. yeah, and it totally works, and it pays off, and it looks amazing. Yeah, yeah. and I think Game of Thrones has, has realized this and inherited the better parts of, yeah. of this show, where they, you know, they, they also got out of their way to, like, practically do a lot of effects right and i, I think it, it pays off and yeah, that'll well, and they've, up well. they've gotten a bigger budget in later, later seasons and you can see it um so yeah yeah i think you're absolutely yeah. right but uh, going back to the orcs and goblins like mm-hmm. division 
what's nice about like how detailed they are is that they're they're really distinct as bad guys, like, like from each other. There are multiple yeah. bad guys. It's mm-hmm. easy to understand who they are because yeah. they're done well. Yeah. Like you understand, yep. like you when the the goblins are all like short and like they have these like horrible teeth and they're <laughs> yeah. disgusting. The yeah, orcs, they all have horrible teeth. Yeah, <laughs> the orcs are tall and like but and muscular and yeah. it's like it's really easy to like tell the difference versus like a Transformers kind of movie where it's just like a CGI mess of like different yes, bad guys and they're completely indistinguishable. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, so it's like if you pay attention to the details, it pays off in in the end result. Like, yeah, and yeah. Tol- Tolkien's conce- conception of orcs and, and goblins was unique for the time because like, no one else had really done that in the way he sure. had. Uh, but at the in two thousand one, we have decades of people conceiving of different forms of orcs and goblins. Like Gary Gygax made a career on it, and it Warhammer. shows up. Yeah, shows up in Warhammer Magic all the time. The gathering. What was that? Magic the Gathering and the Magic, of course. Yeah. And yeah. Peter Jackson still comes with a concept for orcs and goblins that really I hadn't seen before. Um, it, it's yeah. pretty unique to this property now, um, and immediately identifiable, right? Like it's it is branded to Lord of the Rings, and they don't look like, you know, WoW orcs, and they don't look like Magic orcs, and they don't look like D and D orcs, and that's cool. Like that's that's a big success for him because it would have been so easy to just make a big giant green guy, and he didn't. Yeah, yeah. that's a good yeah. point. I didn't think about that. Actually. Yeah, and that was that was really neat. Um, you mentioned the world building. Yeah. In this movie. And I agree that it's really well done. Because uh, another thing that I did not like about the books <laughs> uh, is that I never got the sense that anyone could actually live in the world that Tolkien was describing. It seemed like it was populated by the character in the books and nobody else. And I think in this movie you have a sense of what life is like in Middle-earth that is important when you want to create a world this big. right? Like You have to be able to conceptualize what it is to live here if you're not a hero. Right, like what? What does it mean to be a resident? And you have these, like, like the first town they stop in after the shire. You have Bree, right? And I have a, a idea of what it's like to just be a person that's living there. Like they have this, you know, the tavern, and there's all yeah. these people hanging out, and they're drinking, and they're swearing at each other, and like having their own lives outside of the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you see that throughout uh, throughout the movie. So I don't know, Charles, how the world feel to you? Does this feel livable? Um, there's something about it that fell off to me for some reason. I don't know how to describe it. Uh, I don't really have any more to say beyond that. I can't think of it. Well, I can't I, put a finger on it. Because I, I, uh, I had a thought watching it this time that I had yeah. not noticed before. Is this Does this play out like a post-apocalyptic setting? Because right? you get this sense of a civilization in sharp decline, right? You have a lot of the action takes place in desolate wilderness, right? Like there's there's no sense of, you have like these bastions of civilization like Rivendell and the Shire and Bree, but they're not expanding, right? Like they're not exerting influence on the space around them. They're protecting themselves from what is coming from without. I think that might be part of what seemed off to me is that they do have civilization, right? But all these paths that they traverse between them seem completely untrodden as yes. if nobody travels ever and i think that's by design right because okay. i you, like you get there's so many shots of old ruins that still have names and are completely undeveloped after mm-hmm. they were ruined right like the tower that they go to where they fight the ring wraiths 
um, that Gimli is planning to go into the mines of Moria expecting an entire city of dwarves. Mm. And not only is it destroyed and vacant, but it's been vacant for a while, right? Like there, it's yeah. like skeletons, right? And he's expecting was, an actual civilization there. That was confusing. A lot of that part, watching it again, was confusing. Because like, Gim- Gimli's... I'm sorry, okay, so what's confusing about it for me was that Gimli seemed very familiar with the details of the city and also had no idea how to get in there and is shocked by right, its decline. To, and it looks like it's been abandoned for long enough to be spiderwebbed out. Yeah, so for at least <laughs> yeah. for decades, probably yeah. longer than that. That so, was confusing. And I, I'm sure the book like explains that better, I but know. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I, but I think if you read it in the context yeah. of some sort of quasi-post-apocalyptic setting, yeah. it makes a lot more sense. Because if, they're, if they have a very difficult time traveling, which they clearly do, because that's the whole premise of the movie, mm. if they have poor communication... Right from place to place, which yes. again they very clearly do because they're they have no way of just communicating this shit about the ring from one place to another. If there is, if they live in a world of constant danger, right, it makes sense again that they're not traveling anywhere and that they don't know anything about anything else that's going on around them. Yeah. So if Gimli is learning about the mines of Moria through myth, through people that were there a century ago, it makes a lot of sense that he would build it up in his mind as this great city because really this is a movie without any great cities. Right, like the the Riven, Rivendell is essentially a village. Mm-hmm. The Shire is subsistence level farming. Right, the big city that we have is in ruins. Right, like it, it to me, it feels like this world where there was once something great that is now gone and it's long gone. And mm-hmm. they're not even at a point where they're trying to get it back. They're they're at a point where they're trying to not have everything destroyed. Okay. Right. Like and in that sense, it's this. It, there's a desperation to this movie, and a desperation to what's driving these characters that I found really compelling. Um, and I, it, and the more I looked for it, the more it was everywhere. It's it's all over this movie. Just this constant, desperate survival quest, and it it brought the movie together in a way that I hadn't noticed before. Yeah, and I think that theme is like even more apparent in the two towers yeah like they get to gondor and it's in ruins yeah you see the extreme poverty Spoilers, that <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah right it happens at the beginning of the film so. <laughs> yeah yeah right but yeah it's everywhere like there's yeah. no big thriving city in this world yeah right like there's no metropolitan area right yeah. and the, the what about the one big city that they defend in return of the king that's that's not it's like a military wait that's gondor right no that's helm's deep no that's in the second film right in return of the king oh oh in return of the king that's gondor that's gondor okay Okay. but i mean you look at it and like there's ship oh there's another city that they get to in the two towers called rohan yeah which which is in no better shape yeah the poverty there is like really extreme yeah okay right so you don't get this sense of anything being built right like there's they're not expanding here and they're not going on this quest in order to gain treasure or rescue anyone like that. They're going on this treasure. They don't get destroyed. Right, because if they don't do it, the world will end. Yeah. And, like, it will get taken over by disgusting orcs and this evil wizard. Yeah. Right? And, like, in that context, like, it puts so much more gravity on everything that they do. Right? Like, there's so much weight to this quest and it feels so plausible because everything about the world, as opposed to something like, you know, like like a Final Fantasy story where it's you know, let's save the world. And here's this incredible world, right? Like here it's let's save the world because, oh my God, we've been losing for the past many, many centuries. Yeah. Right. And it, it just feels so much weightier, so much more dramatic. 
Um, how do we feel about the characters? We've talked a lot about the setting. We've talked a lot about what the movie looks like. What about the people in it? I mean, it's a lot of flat characters, but not entirely. <laughs> um, I think I feel the characters develop more across the trilogy, having seen how they end up in the third one. Sure. Um, because, I mean, you just... Because of the nature of the trilogy, you, you just get the setup of how the characters start out in this one without that much development. You get a little bit of, like, uh, Samwise, like, gaining some bravery... Uh, in this one, that really develops into the third one, mm -hmm. uh, and I'm just completely ignoring what happens in the second because I haven't seen them. Haven't but seen I know yet. how they end up in the third, right? Yes. Um, but I see, like you know, Frodo, um, like there's that great quote about like there's nothing he can do about the situation right. that he's in. It just you know how he commands a situation that matters. Yeah. Um, and he takes that to heart uh, towards the end of this movie. So I guess that's some. Uh, development there and that, that's a great moment yeah um, I think some of the human characters um, those are the ones that don't change that much because you see Aragorn right and he's kind of the guy who doesn't want to be the king and I think he's still at that point at the end of this one um, but obviously at some point in the trilogy he decides he does want to take over the responsibility um, well I think we see it in this movie like at the end yeah yes. when Chun Bean dies. Yeah. So yeah, that that's okay. like that's the moment that like inspires him to be like, maybe I should leave this. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Because this this schmuck can't cut it. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I think that's why I like this movie more than the other two, and I do like the other two, uh, is that we it, it's because of Boromir. I like I, I think that Boromir's arc is compelling here. I think we have a dynamic character and a tragic character uh, that you don't see in the other because like. Gimli and, and Legolas basically aren't people, right? Like, they just have nothing <laughs> They're to just them. there for com comic relief. Yeah, really. Uh, Aragorn is flat, which is fine, but he's still just a flat character. He pretty much, at, at least in this movie, where he starts, is pretty close to where he ends. Yeah. Um, but then, same with Gandalf, who dies halfway through anyway. Uh, but in this one, uh, in Boromir, I think you see a character whose trajectory you can plot pretty easily from his first moments on screen, but it's still, seeing it play out is still tragic. I think Sean Bean has a really good performance. Um, and I think that it's actually- Probably the best a, in the movie. Yeah, I think confidently the best in the movie. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I feel like a lot of the characters weren't really making performances because they didn't have much to work with, it felt like. Yeah, I mean, yeah the, again, Legolas and Gimli don't really yeah. have that much to do. Uh, Ian McKellen is great. Um, and Elijah Wood is also very good here. I think Legolas and Gimli are better in the second. Yeah, they have, they have more to do. And I they, mean, they add some like levity to it as well. Yeah, they're comedy relief characters, and that's yeah. fine. That is fine. Particularly Gimli. Yes. Who yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we have a connection to from uh, Raiders. He do. Yeah. He's, oh, yeah. He's the guy. He's Asala. Yeah. In oh, yeah. Raiders. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Which is funny because he's right. like a normal sized human. Yeah. Right. He, isn't uh, he? It, the fun yeah. bit of trivia is he's the tallest member of the cast, right? I, I think that so. He's a big guy. Yeah. 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 Like he's, I think he's like well for six feet tall. Um, <laughs> and they just like, you know, have depth of field tricks to make him look shorter. Yeah, yeah. The technical wizardry that they go through to get those like small, large character shots are incredible. Yeah. Lots uh, of pers perspective tricks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Particularly in, in Hobbiton. Yes. Uh, <laughs> in the Shire. Um, the. Stuff with Gandalf, who Gandalf, who appears enormous and towering, right. yeah, and versus like, the hobbits who appear very small. Yeah, in it reality, is, they're like basically the same height. Yeah, it's amazing, yeah. actually. Yeah. And you yeah. can see, like, whenever yeah. um, 
Frodo or Gandalf embrace, like they have to shoot it. It's, it's clearly a body double, right? Like they have to shoot it from behind one of them and like give them a wig. <laughs> um, and if you start yeah. looking for it, you can spot stuff like that, but it never really breaks the movie. It, it, it's, no. no, it's done incredibly well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it really is. Um, and I'm still not clear on exactly how they do it all, but. And in part, part of the yeah. reason, again, that like the sort of world building works yeah. so well is yeah. that they're able to have like small and large characters without making it obvious as to like how they did it. Yeah. Well, yeah. they do it all on location. That's the other thing, right? Like they, they do all this stuff in the wilderness in New Zealand, right? Like they mm -hmm. don't have, you know, effects to make the world or make hills appear or make it look like they're in the forest somewhere. They're in the forest somewhere. Like that's where this movie was shot. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, an incredibly mid film. Yeah, New Zealand is an incredible like character in this film that like <laughs> yeah, seriously. they're able to shoot in such varied locations as a tribute to like how varied New Zealand is yeah. as, as a as a place. Yeah, I mean there's clearly some heavy effects involved in Mordor and in like yeah, the yeah. pits of uh, where they're making all the orcs. Um, but for the most part, this is just what New Zealand looks like. Yeah, they just yeah. went out in some fields and like shot them running around. And, <laughs> yeah, and it's amazing how it doubles for <laughs> yeah this like high for fantasy, yeah, like high concept, high fantasy, yeah, world. Yeah. Um, Wait, so you were talking about Boromir's character development? We didn't quite finish that. I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'm not sure if I really recognized his character progression. It seemed like he was like the leader of the humans or something like that, and he. Falls to his temptation for the ring and then... And redeems so, himself at the end. Right. So, I mean... So his family is, like... From my understanding, his family... Like, Aragon is essentially, like, renounced his royalty. Uh -huh. And Bormer's, Borm like, lineage is, like, filling in for that. And, okay. and so, like, he would inherit the, like, human side of the world or his brother would. I forget how that goes. Yeah. In lieu of Aragorn, who's like sort of renounced his responsibility as like leader of, of humans. Yeah, that's probably and, all in the and, extended edition. Yeah, <laughs> and so like his want of the ring, or his is to sort of like bring glory back to like human leadership within okay. Middle Earth, and it, for him, is a tool that would like bring them back to glory. But he also, what I think Sean Bean like really brings to the character is like he at the end realizes the danger of the ring and how he's been tempted by it and it shows him as like a weak human yes that he can't control his need for the ring right and so his like his uh sort of moment of tragedy at the end when he he, he feels after like attacking frodo feels mm -hmm. like incredibly guilty That's about it that yeah. shot and that moment for Sean yeah. Bean is incredible. Like when he's on the yeah. ground, like after Frodo disappears, he puts the ring on and he runs off. Yeah. And he's on the ground crying and he's like begs for Frodo's forgiveness. Like that that moment really works well. It's one of the yeah. few really emotional moments in the movie mm -hmm. for me. Like when Gandalf dies, definitely works. And that moment right there, um, it, I thought was really powerful. Um, and I think that that is a high point for the film and a yeah. high point for the acting um, just outright in in this movie. Um, so yeah, just, it, and it's a good example of like, you don't have to be surprised by Sean Bean's turn for it to work, right? Like you know mm -hmm. that it's happening as soon as he's like at the Council of Elrond and he's like, actually we should 
just use the ring to kill everybody. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like you know what, where this is headed, yeah. um, but it still is tragic. It's like because you know that it's coming, it becomes more tragic, uh, and. And that puts this movie over the edge for me. Uh, one thing I noticed uh, on this viewing is that when he approaches Frodo in the woods at the end of the film and asks him for uh, the ring and tells him that and tries to take it from him, that it's set against a fallen statue. There's a like the head of some old king or whatever in the background, like that Frodo is in front of. That is, was it like the giant head that's yeah, sideways? Yeah, yeah, like a really big head on the ground, yeah. like clearly deteriorating. It's covered in leaves. And it is in the shot whenever Boromir is asking for the ring and trying mm -hmm. to take it from Frodo. As opposed to later on when he is being, when he is defending the retreat for everybody else and he's being shot to death by all the orcs, mm -hmm. there's a different statue that he is in front of on his knees that is intact. Right, that oh. is that is risen. That is not falling apart, and um, I think that plays back to the idea of this this being a world um, in decline, a world of desperation. But it also mirrors his his trajectory in the film. Right, that he is a fallen man who finds finds a way to redeem himself in his in his death, uh, which was uh, clever filmmaking from from Peter yeah. Jackson. This uh, it was it was subtle. I thought. Yeah, they also like where that happens. I don't know if it mirror how closely it mirrors the book, but those like giant statues on the mm -hmm. sides of the river. Yeah, I could be wrong about this. My understanding is that one of the two is a statue of the human king who initially slayed Sauron and yep. took the ring. Isildur. Yeah, and so like his inability to like turn away from the ring is sort of mirrored in yep. Boromir mm -hmm. and yep. so like you have like the statue of the character whose like original sin is the same as like Boromir's attempted sin yeah attempted <laughs> yeah. sin yeah. So, yeah and yeah. It, I think it it plays into one of the other themes of this movie that we're not our lineage doesn't dictate what we can do right that's because yeah. Aragorn is the direct descendant of Isildur the guy who caused all this bad shit to happen who had the opportunity to throw the ring in the fire yeah. and declined um, and Aragorn can say no. Aragorn can be offered the ring and turn it down. Boromir, who does not have that same blood in his veins, is unable to resist that temptation. Um, and I think that you see that kind of theme play out uh, a couple times, like the, the whole concept of Frodo being a small character from a small town who's never done anything great, being the, the most significant, the, the most heroic character in the film. Um, same idea, right? That we're not, we're, it's not about where you're from, it's where you're at. And that what you do with your situation. Right, exactly. Which uh, you mentioned the, the line earlier that yeah. where Frodo's like, I wish the ring had never come to me. Why yeah. do I have to live through this? And Gandalf says, well, you do what, do so what you can. So great they had to show a flashback to it yeah. in the same movie. <laughs> yes, they did. Yes, they did. So uh, another great performance in Christopher Lee. Yeah. Who's a good sort of like <laughs> conniving <laughs> villain guy. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Villain. Um, yeah. Also a huge Lord of the Rings fan. Like oh yeah yeah like How well before would that be <laughs> yeah exactly it's a play someone like he would he like knew a bunch of the lore and shit and he would like <laughs> be correcting Peter Jackson during filming that's about, awesome like Lord of the Rings minutia he's, I think he, he's like excuse me but, <laughs> yeah, actually <laughs> <laughs> this was over here yeah <laughs> uh, so like yeah he would he wanted to play Gandalf I think but he looks yeah. too evil for it and Ian <laughs> McKellen is like too perfect for that role um, but yeah he was. 
uh, evidently the biggest fan on set. That's <laughs> Christopher Lee. Um, he did all his own stunts too, which is fucking extraordinary because he's like a it's million years like old. Thrown on the floor. Yeah. Ian yeah. McKellen did too, both of them. Like that whole wizard Jeez. fight at the end. Like they were doing that, just that stuff, which is insane. Yeah, because yeah, they're super old. Um, the so wizard yeah. fight is kind of comical. Yeah, it, it, it looks it, kind of weird. It's Especially because the it's magic little, is invisible. Yeah. Yeah, it was that was a weird choice. I don't I don't know what would be better if they were like <laughs> throwing lightning bolts at each other or, or not. Or not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it goofy either way. Silly. Yeah. 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 And and it's it, I'm I not mean, sure. He's, he's making Gandalf breakdance on the floor. Like it's kinda yeah. weird. Yeah, that was a that was an odd choice. Um but again, like I don't know what the the Lord of the Rings canon is. Like, can wizards actually do that shit in Middle Earth? I don't know. Yeah. And Peter Jackson really cares about that. So if he couldn't find a way to have them like throwing lightning bolts and fireballs at each other, it's just not gonna happen. In high school for a talent show, a friend of mine um, did like a one-man <laughs> version of the wizard fight. <laughs> and no, he did a one-man version of like the whole movie, but the Apex is gonna wizard fight. <laughs> okay. And, and it was very funny. <laughs> yes. It was very funny. Yeah. yeah. Was he it able was to, a like, testament to like his comedic ability. Can he like spin around on the ground like that? Yeah, he did. It was really funny. Why? Okay. Yeah. That's and he like threw himself on the ground a bunch of times. Wow. And, like, that could do some yeah. damage. Yeah, it was like a <laughs> it was like a five minute version of Fellowship of the Rings, I believe. <laughs> and most of it was that. Most yeah, well that was like the funniest part. It's the funniest part. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that is that's yeah. the funniest part of Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, the funniest part of Fellowship of the Ring is when he asks about all the different Hobbit meals. Like, does he, what about Second Breakfast? Does he know know about? Olympuses? Yeah, this is the guy from Lost, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah um, whose name I don't remember, but yes, the guy from Lost. Um, oh, yeah, there's he's, so many people in this movie. Yeah, and in Lost, but uh, yeah, he's the the comedy relief Hobbit, the the fool of a tuck. The only time Gandalf really gets angry. Yeah, yeah. M- Mary and Pippin. 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 Yeah, I forget which one. Is which is which? But... Yeah, but. Uh, yeah, he's he was a, a lost alum. Um, it's not Billy Boyd; it's the other one. Right, it's Dominic something. Monaghan. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. He was in Charlie and Lost. He was. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, so the other emotive part of this movie, other than the Boromir turn, is when Gandalf bites it. Um, I remember when I, because I saw this on the original theatrical run, like I assume most people did. Um, and <laughs> it that part I remember hitting really hard when I first saw it when I was the, the youth. Yeah. Um, and it same. still does. And I think it's, I think it still works. Like the, the cutting out the sound is like really on the nose, but I think it, it's effective here. Like them like escaping out of the mines and just mourning and like having to move on right away. Yeah. Yeah, like that what? worked really well. That was intense stuff. Yeah. Well, so Gandalf is like positioned in like a very paternal way over the hobbits. Yes. Yeah. And it's like, it's their dad dying. Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. Dying to save them. Yeah. Right? Like he's in a heroic fashion. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and it's a good moment for Aragorn too, where he gets to kind of seamlessly assume this leadership role. Um, that he hadn't before because he'd been kind of, you know, the muscle. So he, he has to take over some responsibility that right. he's been avoiding. Yeah, and he just does it, right? Like, that's the thing. There's no, like, yeah. hemming or hawing about, oh, gee, can I lead the fellowship, whatever. Like, he just does. And mm-hmm. that, that seems like a, a moment that pays off later on when he's comforting Barmir as he dies. Um, and in the next movie, too. Yeah, I think the relationship between Gandalf and the Hobbits, or even just, like, how the sort of like smaller denizens of middle earth is like maybe not the like best <laughs> treatment of little people because th- yeah they're 
they're they're very childlike, even like the older ones. Yeah. And like Gandalf kind of like scolds Bilbo, <laughs> even though he's 100 years old. And <laughs> 111. Yeah, he treats him very much like a child. 111. Yeah. And he he treats all the hobbits like like children. Right. And the dwarves are the same thing, right? Where they're kind of like played for comedy because of their like, like their height or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and uh, that was, w- watching it again, I was like, man, this like does not treat little people well. <laughs> right. Well, and it because uh, there's the line, the probably the most famous line in the second yeah. one, where he asks, where he has uh, Legolas toss him and throw him. In yeah, which is like a really bad. Thing. Right. Which it, is like, kind of messed up. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. like I remember uh, Peter Dinklage won some award for Game of Thrones, and he used his award speech to talk about that happened to someone and the guy died yeah like and mm. like so it's a real problem and uh then this movie plays it as a joke or the second movie plays it as a joke yeah yeah so uh, so yes you're right that is not not woke moments <laughs> yes <laughs> yes uh, speaking of not woke moments they had to manufacture a female character for this movie um arwen is nice. essentially not not a significant character at all in uh, the books I think he's mentioned, but that's it. What about Galadriel? Um, yeah, she's in the books too, but she doesn't have much to do in either one. She's played as much more powerful and significant uh, in in this movie. I couldn't tell anything she was saying when she was in like whatever that yeah like demon mode was. Yeah, like they used some sex. I couldn't hear any of what she was saying. The major like female character in all those stories is like a giant spider, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Shalab. <laughs> Don't they cut the spider from the movie? Or no, it's, it's they in move. Return of the King. It's in Return of the King. Okay, because it's at the in the books, it's the end of the second book. Like that's how it ends, is these guys oh. get captured by the spider and the book's over. <laughs> and it's and, short compared to Yeah. In the movie it's like a very short part. Yeah. Which is yeah, I mean he cuts spiders are cool. But. Yeah, to to uh <laughs> Peter Jackson's credit, he cuts a lot of the fat here. Like yeah. all the stupid Tom Bombadil bullshit is just not in this movie. <laughs> the meals. There's a lot of meals that are cut yes, out. that are not here. In songs. Tolkien loves his food. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he does. As we know from Brick. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, it, the, the bad guy in Brick speaks about how he has like a soliloquy about Tolkien's treatment of food. Oh. Yes. On the be- when they're on the beach and, yeah. I don't remember that. Okay. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. So It he, defines his character so well. But, but yes, you, you are yeah. correct that Tolkien... I mean, it's not just that he loves food. He just loves, like... Detail. Minutia. He loves detail. Well, detail is a generous way of saying minutia, but yes, yeah. he does. He's Herman Melville, right? He's always not that bad, but... <laughs> but well, actually, he's, no. He's worse, he is, because he yeah. did... Yeah, he did so much more. he made it up. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and he wrote a lot more than, than Melville did. Yeah. Um, but at least he sold books. Melville didn't actually sell anything until he died. <laughs> he but he wrote the greatest American <laughs> that's, story. That's what they say, yeah. yeah. Story like slash a, so but going back to the thing about the lack of female characters, it seems like a common theme, right? Because they had to manufacture a female elf for the Hobbit movies. It's the same one. It's the same elf. It's, what? Yeah. It's yeah, same. it's the same one. <laughs> yeah. Who, who was that in uh, Liv Tyler. It was still Liv Tyler, right? No, no, no. no. They have no, uh, the woman from so. Lost is in Oh, Hobbit yeah, you're right. They, just, they look very similar. Yeah, um, they, yeah, they look like elves. So they got the yeah. elf look. She right? was completely manufactured. Right. The, the woman from Lost. And the, yeah. yeah, and like, like like there's a lot of stuff made up for the Hobbit movies. They, they have to fill up three movies because like Legolas shows up in the Hobbit movies. Well, they take a lot from like Cimmerillion too, which is like yeah. the encyclopedia version of all these. Like yeah, <laughs> or like the underlying. It's just Tolkien's notes that have been compiled into an encyclopedia that like. Crazy people. Yeah, read. the next level fans <laughs> like read. Yeah, which is like 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, it does an unfortunate thing of saying that, like, adventures for men. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. Tolkien was sexist, right? He was racist and he was sexist. And it's it's built into the source material. Well, it's also being written in the 30s, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's Not racist. everyone. Yeah. yeah. So it, he's racist in the sense that, like, some of the bad guy armies are, like, coded as Middle Eastern. Yeah, there's that. Yeah. Um, and it's just the whole yeah. concept. Oh. They wear, like, turbans, and they, they have, like, a lot of, like, sort of, like, like Arab... They, like, they have, like, the sort of, like, Arabian swords that are curved. Carry around scimitars. It's one of, like, the minor, like, Mordor armies. Okay. But, yeah. And they come through more in the second yeah, and film. They ride elephants in the second film. I remember the elephants yeah. from the third one. Yeah, I think that was the yeah. third one. Wasn't the second one? You just saw it. No, there's the a scene of it okay. in the second one where they introduce the Rohan characters this way. Oh, okay. Um, I, I don't They kill that. a bunch of people on elephants and then they they get Sweet. captured. So. All right. Uh, but, I mean, just the whole concept yeah. of race defining, you know, your interests and your... Characteristics. Your ab- yeah, your your characteristics your, and all, all of that stuff, like race being the most important thing. For each of these characters, which and is height. Yeah, 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 race and height. I mean, yeah. that's that's just a, a basically racist idea, right? Like, there's no way around it. Like, it's and it's now in baked. In literal sense. Yeah, it, yes. And it's now baked into the fabric of fantasy novels. Like, and, uh, and people. like sci fi and video games mm-hmm. and all that. Yeah, and those Everything. these are all really racist, racist ideas. Um, and it takes a lot of effort for creators to get out of that, right? Because it's just so much a part of the text. And so much yeah. part of the genre at this point, um, which is a bummer. Uh, the other thing is that the dwarves are clearly coded as Jewish. Uh, that is <laughs> not so. Um, like yeah, uh, it's more obvious in The Hobbit, I think, but they're characters that live uh, in an isolated mountain far away from everyone else with giant noses who hoard gold. Yeah. Right, like it's. With beards. Yeah, yeah, with the beards. Like they are, they are meant to be Jewish. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of problematic stuff in in this uh, material, and not a lot. It's from the 30s. Like there's only so much you can do about it, but it's definitely there. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and then all of our fantasy was built on it. Yeah, it, it was, and we wonder why we have this problem in the nerd community with acceptance and, and racism. You and always have that stuff of like, yeah. oh, you know, there shouldn't be black people in this because it's based on Northern Europe or whatever, right? right? Uh, yeah. The Witcher. Utter gibberish. Right. Yeah. Like, it's a, it, you made it up. Like, you can put whatever the fuck you want there. And yeah. completely a historical because, like, yeah. it's well documented that, like, <laughs> cultures all, like, interacted and... and yeah. Yeah, there there were black people there. Yeah, and, right. like, lived in different locations that you might not as- expect or assume. Like, Right. North Africa like interacted a lot with Southern Europe to think of them as like completely different places and mythologies and histories is like incredibly right. wrong. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and now we have like the the first again uh, we spoke about it recently or I spoke about it recently in Herodotus. Like mm-hmm. one of the reasons Herodotus is interesting is he travels all over and he's really interested in these different geographies. Yeah. And for him, it's totally normal to. Travel from Greece to Egypt to uh, parts of the Middle East, mm-hmm. and he's fascinated by like all the different cultures. And there's like clear mingling between all these mm-hmm. all these cultures, and like a lot of politics between all of them. Yeah. And so, to assume in the way Tolkien does that each like little society is separate and like does not interact with each other, only for these like sort of moments where they they come together, like in this movie, is like 
a historical. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I mean, it's yeah. his world. He made it up, but that's the world he decided to make up. Yeah. Um, and that, that speaks to his perspective and his views, I think. But he's clear. He's clearly influenced by history, right? Yeah. He's stealing from. Yeah, that's true. Parts. And there, I mean, there's a lot of like direct uh, World War II influence on this. Yeah, I've I, I've heard some people sort of criticize that they think that. I mean, it's not some a, some people say that like this is a fantasy version of World War Two, and that's like not correct. No, um, it, it isn't. But yeah. there, I mean, there, like it's, it's a stretch to say like, well, this army represents Germany and this army represents yeah, no. yeah. the English. It's yeah, like that's no, nah, it doesn't line up that well. No, but like clearly, like it is the most important thing that happens in Tolkien's lifetime aside from World War One. Yep. So he's like clearly influenced by it because you can't not be. Mm-hmm. But to say that he's doing a fantasy version of that in the way that George R. R. Martin is doing, like, English history yeah. fantasy version. The, like, to equate those two things is not correct. I yeah. concur. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what about the gay coding in this movie? Because it's definitely oh, there. Like the, the Hobbits? Between Sam and Frodo. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think that Sam is clearly in love with Frodo in this movie. Like, I don't think they're even that subtle about it. Um, and they never do anything with it. And I don't know if I, I don't know who made those choices. Like I don't know if I, I forget the actor who plays Sam, but I don't know if Rudy. He, yeah, yeah. Um, Aston, right? Aston. Yeah, Sean Aston. Yeah. yeah, like I don't know if he just decided to play the character that way, or if that's how Peter Jackson directed him, or what. Um, but one thing I do recall <laughs> in uh, the third one <laughs> is there, <laughs> Sam and Frodo are like on the on Mount Doom, right? And they're like. There's orcs chasing him or something, and they're just like lying there exhausted, and they're near dead. And uh, Sam like leans over to Frodo, and he says, "Frodo, I can't wait to see Rosie again." And it's like, "Who the fuck is Rosie? <laughs> like, what the hell?" Is they just had this, just right? Had they had to put it, that in there, right? They had to, to have this line, you. like the way they're not gay, yeah. <laughs> right? And like that was a huge. Well, they didn't bummer. mention her very briefly, right? Like she is a character, thing. right? And they like dances with her or something at bro- Bill Bill's party, like, hey, you right? Ask her out. But that was two movies ago, yeah. <laughs> and she's never mentioned again after that until this moment. And like that's what he's thinking about. At this moment, like it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense, and it's clearly just gay panic. Uh, and <laughs> yeah. So I, I, it was such a, a series of odd choices that got to that point, and I kind of want to know more about who decided to play Sam that way, mm-hmm. and like how we got there because it's it's unmistakable. Like it, there's no way to not read that as a gay relationship, or at least a one-sided gay relationship. Because it probably wasn't written in the book, was it? No. No, I mean it, it, Sam is written as like a very devoted friend, mm-hmm. right? But like, it, from what I recall, no, it did not look like Sam was in love with Frodo in the way that he looks like he's in love with Frodo here, uh, which kind of makes it sweet. Like I think it makes that character a little endearing. Uh, yeah. So it works, but still just a surprising choice. <laughs> he's yeah, he's like charming as a friend. Yeah, yeah. right, and and like he's oddly devoted. He's like really devoted in an <laughs> yeah. almost pathetic way, right? Yes. Like he, he's, to the point where he's willing to drown himself. Right, and, like he's a he's a he's he a, like, be like with a, like Frodo. an anime yeah. crush. Yeah, he's a pitiful character in a lot of ways, right? Yeah. Like you you pity him. Although you know he gets some redemption later on because he like he kind of carries Frodo. And, yeah. Oh yeah, he, he. I think literally carries him yes. too. Yeah, like, but he he carries the operation once they're yeah. on the final stretch. And yeah. I think Frodo was like very close to doing an Isildur and not destroying yes. the ring. And uh, yeah, like Sam is. Sam makes sure he 
follows the yeah sam saves yeah. the day yeah yeah and no which is funny because frodo gets to join the like cool people's club and yeah. like, <laughs> leave with the elves and then he's like sorry sam, so, uh, sam. <laughs> see ya <laughs> these guys look way better yeah i gotta go with the ring club yeah you but can. you're so close to being a part of uh, yeah go hang yeah. out with rosie you <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> square yeah. um i realize he doesn't show up that much in this movie but uh, can we talk about andy circus like he's incredible right gollum like, he's he he's so briefly in this. He's movie. so briefly in this movie. You saw much more of him in the second one. Yeah, I mean, the major. He's a major. One character. of the major plots. It's same around Gollum. Yeah, same in the third one. He's yeah. really significant, and I think you see the beginning of him inventing a new kind of acting, essentially that comes to fruition in Planet of the Apes. Uh, not from Jar Jar. Not from Jar Jar. No, that was not what what was happening. Yeah, no, yeah, he's amazing. Uh, one of my one of my siblings. Is as a child, terrified of Goblin. Of Goblin. I don't blame him. Yeah. Like, he's fucking horrifying. He's yeah. yeah, he's creepy yeah. as hell. Although my impression many, of him... Many sleepless nights for one of his siblings <laughs> because of Gollum. My impression yeah. of him was just being really annoyed by him. By Gollum? Yeah. Yeah, I... He's he's supposed to be this burden, right? Like, when they, when yeah. they actually, like, find him in Mordor later on. Yeah, but there's this tension of, like, there's a dangerous nature to mm -hmm. Gollum... But he's also pitiful. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um, well, and he's the the worst case scenario for Frodo because you find out in the second or third one that he used to be like the whatever came before hobbits, like he was a version of a hobbit, yeah. and so like him following around Frodo all the time, which is what eventually happens. It's like this constant reminder that like if you fuck up, this is what happens mm -hmm. to you. This is where you end up if you fail. Yeah, he's Frodo's future. Yeah, right. Like his yeah, yeah his dark future but yeah you know i actually remember him being pretty scary in the first hobbit movie when bilbo finds the ring yeah i remember yeah. that being a really good scene out of a not great trilogy yeah that was probably the i only saw the first one because they sucked and you yeah. want to see the other ones <laughs> but uh yeah that was for some of the best part of the first one yeah was the the golem scene you yeah. missed the uh, Stephen Colbert appearance in Wait, the what? trilogy. Yes, I did. But who? What did Stephen Colbert do? He's an extra in a scene in the second Hobbit movie or the third one. Okay. He's in Rivertown, and uh -huh. he's, he's he's in the scene for quite a while. So and like... I believe the rest of his family's in the movie as well. <laughs> wow. Because he's like a super fan. Yes, he is like a Christopher Lee level fan. Befriended <laughs> Jackson. When he was doing like promos for right. some of his movies, I bet, and then got in the Hobbit. Uh, <laughs> right. I think between his like Comedy Central show and his the late night late night show, yeah, like went to New Zealand and like helped, filmed a couple scenes in the Hobbit. That's nuts. Living the it, dream. Yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, it's very obviously Stephen Colbert too. Yeah, like, like, he's wearing an eye patch, but like he turns to the. <laughs> He, like, he turns in a way that you, you see his face, and <laughs> hey, it's like, yeah. hey, it's I gotta go look for that. That sounds interesting. Yeah. I'm not gonna look for that. And I also movie. screenshotted for the two of you the Peter Jackson yes. cameo. Yes, which we can post. Yeah, which I noticed yeah. because you sent yeah, me yeah. the Yeah, it's like immediately obvious. Yeah. Yeah. Very quick. Watching uh, the movie. Peter Jackson is eating a carrot. In <laughs> like he's going to the, town the on the very bright orange carrot. Yeah. In this very dark and rainy scene. It's a weird cameo but, <laughs> yes, but peter jacks is a weird guy so evidently <laughs> yeah um yeah because and like Stephen colbert has multiple moments on the colbert report where he like rattles off some like high level lord of the rings lore 
just like, he owns like yeah. he owns like the sword props from the film too. Yeah, like, oh, that's that. Yeah. I forgot yeah. to mention the other fun bit of trivia from this movie. Uh, Viggo Mortensen refused to carry a prop sword. He carried around a full weight sword for right. the entire three movies. Yeah, which is freaking insane. He also um, weighed a ton. Purchased or adopted his horse in the movie. Yeah, that's true. Oh. Yeah, I had heard that. Yeah, yeah, he's like a horse guy. So okay, yeah. did then he make a horse movie? Like, yeah. Uh, Hidalgo, I think. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. And he like he lives in Montana or something with horses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, it's like a western that's like really concerned with horses. Viggo Mortensen's oh. an interesting guy because he's like similar to Keanu Reeves in that he's like not interested in his fame or fortune. Yeah. It seems like it's right. almost closer to a Daniel Day Lewis in that sense. Yeah, yeah, but by that same kind of reclusive. But he's like actor. nowhere near the level of actor. Right. <laughs> Although I think Viggo Mortensen is a very good actor and has made some very good movies. Uh, Eastern Promises. Eastern Promises is incredible. Is really good. A History of Violence. Tra- Seen. I actually have seen Eastern Promises. Who is great? Yeah, yeah. I don't remember that much of it except for the very uncomfortable knife like, fight, bathroom fight yeah, scene. Yeah, that scene's amazing. <laughs> um, have you seen so History well of Violence? I have not. In fact, I think I thought I was watching that movie when I was watching Eastern <laughs> Promises. I can yeah, see why you might yeah. confuse them. Yeah. Uh, last movie to re- be released on VHS was History of Violence. Interesting. Yeah. Just full of trivia today. Also, a really <laughs> problematic film, but no, I haven't seen it in a little while, but I remember liking it. Yeah. Okay. Based on a comic book, it is. Yeah. Um, all right, Charles. What's the verdict on uh, on Lord of the Rings or Fellowship of the Ring? You seemed a little mixed when we mentioned well, it earlier. I I don't know. Like, I've just always been like a. I've just never been interested in fantasy, and so I think I've just come into this predetermined or predestined not to really like it and i could just never get into the plot points or the setting of the movie and that'll drive a huge wedge between me and the movie no matter how well produced it is and you know some of the no matter how great some of the moments are and all that i just can't get into it because of that Uh, that's why i never watch any of these like you know fantasy properties i don't watch game of thrones i just don't feel interested in that. Like, even if you reskinned everything to be sci-fi, I think I would be all over it immediately. <laughs> See, I don't understand this at all, right? Because yeah, I don't know. Right. It's like, just <laughs> having spaceships and laser guns and sunlight, I am very interested because I love spaceships. Most, it's the most confusing thing about you. But, like, I don't But get this. a horse? Like, I don't give a shit about horses. <laughs> like Because you, like, you're into all the other nerdy shit, right? Like, yeah. I don't understand I just why it's never this. liked fantasy. I always found it boring. I like when they have scientific explanations for all the different like things that you could you could call magic in sci-fi. They have technological explanations for them usually, and I think that's cool. And it but Star it Wars explicitly doesn't. There's many Glorians on there. Okay. Okay. It, it, it lets me imagine where we could yes. go in the future, rather than imagining okay. an alternate past. I guess. Okay. I mean, I understand and, and the appeal of sci-fi. I like sci-fi. Yeah. What uh, I, I don't get. And is, you like Dune, right? Yeah. yeah. We had this conversation offline, but you like Dune is this? <laughs> <laughs> right. It's that Dune is the of the rings. I just needed some spaceships to to get me into it. Wow. Like I. But, yeah. I, have no, I have no words not like, I, because you've presented me with this before and I don't know yeah. how to interrogate it or what to do with it but yeah, here I we are I've always had a very strong predilection for sci-fi have, over fantasy haven't you played Dungeons and Dragons? I tried Okay. Um, we, didn't, we didn't play for that long 
Because um, right, I, I wasn't too active, but I like the RPG element of it. Like it always feels good to progress, and that's a feeling that's irrespective of the setting. And so that's okay. kind of what got me into that. Is it the technology? Like, that's a lot of it. Okay, it's a lot of it. So it's more of like a fascination with technology. Yeah, and like the so it's like if they that. were riding spaceships between planets and they had to throw like a thing into the sun. <laughs> I'm not creative enough to come up with an analog for the ring, but <laughs> a, a sci-fi MacGuffin right. into a sun or something. No, this is the movie cool. Sunlight, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that one. Yeah, well. Have you seen Sunlight? Yeah. Sunlight's a good movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so yeah, so maybe we just need to you find... You just described the bottom Sunlight. Yeah, we just need to find the uh, Lord of the Rings, or the sci-fi Lord of the Rings. Sunlight and uh, Solaris. Have you seen yeah, it? Yeah, okay, yeah. I think Dune's a bit different. Uh, the... The nature of that plot feels more modern. I was comparing well, it to the politics. Middle Eastern crisis. Yeah, yeah. This is more of a pure adventure story. Yeah. This yeah. would be. I mean, Star Wars steals a lot from this, right? Star yes. Wars is liberally. This. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, so you, know, you got you got the spaceship. You were joking about nerds reading uh, Lord of the Rings encyclopedias, but I definitely read Wikipedia a lot, and I like learn about like all the companies that make the spaceships. You know, I know about Incom <laughs> yeah. and. Okay. Sinard, quadraviards, and all that. This right? doesn't that stuff. This doesn't make this any clearer to me, but I, oh. I, I respect where you're coming from. It's just aesthetic preferences. <laughs> Apparently. Man. Okay. Uh, well, what's up next, Rossman? What's our... Wait, wait, wait. Wait, no, we're not done? Because... Thumbs down? Thumbs oh, yeah, down. okay, yeah. What would you say about this film? Yeah, are you glad you saw it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was all right. I just... <laughs> I, right. I. Thumbs sideways. Yeah, I mean, did you, it doesn't make you want to watch the next one? It kind of does. So one complaint I had for this movie uh, was how incomplete it felt just because of the nature of the story. Yeah. Because it sets up this it's grand quest one. to destroy the yeah. ring and just it just kind of ends, right? So like you were com- you complain a lot about how TV shows like don't focus on the episode and rather focus on just the entire story stretched over a season. Yeah. Right? And I I got that feeling from this. I, I mean, I, I hear that. I think this is telling the story of the Fellowship and specifically Boromir. Like, I think that he's the critical character here because you get his complete arc within this this story. Because, um, like, you look, I know you haven't seen Breaking Bad, but like, what it does well is it finds the completed narrative within the hour and still situates it within the larger narrative within the season. And I think that that's what this is doing, right? Like, it's okay, finding the, the smaller narrative within the three-part story that is Lord of the Rings. Um, yeah, so I, then, I'm just too focused on the major grand quest that they keep watching. Set off to do so. Yeah, yeah. Maybe There's I'll another movie. I'll get to two towers eventually. I watched yeah. two towers like immediately. I was like, I can't. Handle and I, I want to. Like, I think I'm watching them together. Yeah, I, I thought about it, but then I didn't. But I'm, I think I'm into this week. And you might be satisfied by just watching that. The Return of the King like does not add a lot to the story other than right. to complete. Well, I remember it. everything yeah. that happened in Return of the well, King. Well, so, well, not everything, but I remember the Return of the King. I, I really like the two towers. I think it's the better film. But that's personal preference. So. I haven't seen it in a while, so I remember liking yeah. Fellowship more, but maybe I'll watch it again and change my mind. Yeah, there's the, like, epic <coughs> battles that happen. And the battle's great. The, the Helm's Deep. There's two that happen. There's a battle for Isengard and, yeah, that's and the Helm's Deep battle. Yeah, but the Helm's Deep one's like the, the really... Oh, yeah, for one. sure. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, that one. Yeah. I remember very clearly. Yeah. Okay, okay so you're up next, Trust, and what's our movie next week? I'm tempted just to, like, choose the two terms. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I feel like we would have the same conversation yes. next week about yes. 
the film, but I think you might like it, so I think you should watch it separately. So you're recommending um, the I, two I towers. Yeah. Still be predestined not to like it. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna second that recommendation. Yeah, the yeah. two towers is really it cool. Eventually. It's yeah. a much cooler film, I think. And yeah. it's the one that fixes the book the most because two towers the book is a fucking train wreck. It's probably <laughs> the worst one, um, and it fixes like the fundamental problem with that book uh, in a obvious way. Yeah, yeah. Um. I'd like to watch a very different movie. Okay, though. great. Bring it on. Um, so I would like to watch the film Heathers, which is okay. a, yes. <laughs> a very different movie. Um, so it's from 1988, and it's an interesting one. Yeah. And it's a high where, school... Where have I heard of this before? Well, you've, you've mentioned it before. I've spoken very highly of it. I, I really like this film. I didn't see this film until uh, actually the past like five years. Um, okay. So I, I didn't see this film growing up. But having seen it as an adult, I really like this film. Yeah. yeah. It's basically clueless, right? Well, we'll see. Let's <laughs> talk about it next week. Yes. All right. <laughs> so next week, Heathers, thanks for listening, everyone. If you like the show, share it with all your friends, as long as they're cool. Sorry, um, fantasy nerds. Yeah. We'll see you next yeah, week. Yeah, we slaughter the details of Fellowship. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's that. The yeah, comic right. book guy is like... Yeah, and I really beat up on Tolkien a lot this episode. <laughs> One star rating on <laughs> iTunes. <laughs> oh, wow. uh, thanks for listening, everyone. See you next week for Heathers. Hey everybody, if you're enjoying the podcast, you can help us reach a larger audience by rating and reviewing it on iTunes. It only takes a minute and makes a big difference. Thanks, and enjoy the episode.